might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Uh, we're talking today about wisdom, which from a biblical perspective, and I heard this from a friend of mine who heard it from a podcast of a rabbi, but he actually brought this thought up to me, and I thought it was extremely important to understand that wisdom from a biblical perspective is the opposite of evil. And so when a person is trying to find a way to be a good person, what from a biblical perspective, especially the, the, the New Testament, what God and Jesus is really looking for is wisdom. And, and that incredible thing gives you a lot of understanding of how to look for the good in yourself. And the wiser you are, oftentimes the more effective and better a person you are. Now, some people can use wisdom to do evil, some, some can do good, but bottom line is this wisdom thing is a quality that is, uh, it's, it's really hard to define it because it encompasses so much, you know, but people really recognize when they encounter it and it is encountered most obviously in the realm of decision-making. And so, you know, as a psychologist or people in the psychology field, they tend to agree that wisdom involves an integration of, of knowledge, experience, deep understanding that incorporates tolerance for the uncertainties of life as well as its ups and downs. So there's an awareness of how things play out over time and it confers a sense of balance. And what is balance? Balance has a lot of the ingredient of acceptance. Acceptance is peace. And when people are trying to live a happy life, trying to be happy, that's only one emotion. But when they're searching for peace, which comes from wisdom, what they end up having is all of their emotions available to them and no more battle. There is balance. So our, our real true goal as a human being emotionally is to find peace in our life, find acceptance. You know, wise people generally share an optimism that life's problems can be solved and experience a certain kind of calm because they don't fear in the face of difficult decisions. You know, intelligence if only anyone could figure out exactly what that is, but but the, you know there's there's uh, common sense. With some people have ton of it, but not a lot of uh, applied intelligence. And some people have tons of applied intelligence, applied intelligence, and have very little common sense. And my my theory as a person is uh, the people that have both are at a great advantage. But unfortunately, from what I see in my life, is that people that have a high degree of intelligence often don't have that common sense to balance themselves. So they live kind of awkwardly and are kind of outliers. You know, wisdom uh, can be really, truly only uh, acquired through experiencing things, and that's called experiential learning. But by itself, experience doesn't really automatically create wisdom, but, you know, there are there is research out there that's probing the social, emotional, and cognitive processes that, that 
you know, transmit or transmute experience into wisdom. And so there's a lot of theories that have emerged. Um, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, the, the Paul ba- Bales uh, uh, conceived of wisdom as expertise derived from five key components, which we're going to get into later, which is rich procedural knowledge, which means life is about process. It's not necessarily about outcomes. And then we have factual knowledge. And then we have the understanding of different life contexts and an awareness of the relativism of values and priorities and the ability to basically recognize and manage uncertainty and not be afraid of it. You know, people develop wisdom as a personality characteristic, and it encompasses the the ability and, and the patience to reflect, to have compassion, have empathy, and pursue absolute truth. And consider multiple perspectives. That's what a wise person does, looks at multiple perspectives rather than black and white options. People that are black and white are very simplistic. And they're very scary because they really don't accept life itself. They just want results, 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 and judgments. And so they don't really live. And people that learn that there's a lot of shades of gray, and I'm not talking about the book, but, you know, the books, but what I'm trying to say is life has tons of gray. And if we go dig a little deeper, sometimes we find that the motives, even though they may look horrible on the surface, that the motives oftentimes may be good. And so, you know, we develop wisdom as a personality characteristic. And once again, it's, it's, it's got that reflection, that empathy, that compassion, truth. There's a balance between ourselves and other people so that our actions are directed at what would consider to be the common good. Now, let's go into the term good. Well, once again, from a biblical perspective, we are not good. We are mostly good. Many of us, some of us are not good at all. But we all have ingredients of good and bad, and that's why wisdom replaces good in the sense of what the Bible looks for in us, recognizing that we are not always good. So wisdom largely emerges from reflection on our past experience. You know, wise people incorporate their past, their options, their opinions into more uh, uh, evolved style of wisdom and thinking for now, not the past. And they look at a lot of perspectives and, and they're open to new ways of thinking and they challenge the status quo and they, they can be a hallmark of wisdom and they help cultivate it by the way they lead people to wisdom. You know, but that balance is that peacefulness that we need to have with ourselves when we are wise. And that balance is also a key component. So wise people generally act on behalf of the good, the common good of people, but also ensure that their own needs are met. And they strive for harmony among competitive demands and goals because all they're looking for is what's wise. And what's wise is usually good for all people or some people. You know, it's really important that wise people seek to understand people's motives. And what that means is, Instead of hammering like so many people ignorantly do to their spouses, to their children, to anybody that will listen to them, they'll just hammer on the bad thing that the person has done. But what they fail to do is look for forgiveness, which is understanding what the motives are. And it's not coming from a why question. Why questions are motive-based and they're judgmental. And you're never going to get a good answer from a why question. 
But what you want to examine when someone does something that you don't like is how did you decide to do that? What made you decide to d- that this was important? And the reason that we go there is because, number one, we're looking for understanding. Number two, we're looking for forgiveness. And number three, we are being peaceful in our conflict. And that is an incredibly important ingredient in our human experience that we don't har- hammer on the bad outcomes because we get bad outcomes even if we have good intentions. What we really need to understand is what was the intention and and so we can help process it within ourselves and help the person who made a mistake process what they've done. You know, breaking this down, you know, the strength of wisdom is really the ability to take stock in life in large terms, in ways that make sense to yourself and to others and to how you adapt. So wisdom is a product of knowledge. It's the product of experience, but it's more than accumulation of information. It's the coordination of the information, and it's deliberate use to improve well-being. And that includes emotional intelligence, that includes common sense, and that also includes uh, wisdom, intelligence itself. And and so in a, in, if you look at it socially, wisdom allows people to listen to other people, to evaluate what they say, and then to offer them uh, maybe good advice if they're asked. You know, some people don't want your advice, but wise people are always seeking other people's thoughts. You know, since the time of, of, of Aristotle, which was basically a philosopher, wisdom has been, uh, he was also a doctor, by the way, but wisdom has been uh, uh, contemplated by, by philosophers, by theologians, and almost anyone concerned with good life and how to live. As these philosophers would sit on the steps at the Acropolis, they learned from each other. And so they did what's called collective learning. They, they heard each other's philosophies and they borrowed from each other and then they embellished what each other did. And, and they took generations of other philosophers and carried them forward so that people would become wise. And that's a thing called Socratic learning. And it's interesting that some of our best educational institutions in the world, and I learned this because I went to school in England uh, for, for a time in college in my bachelor's degree, is that what we would do is sit around and read the book, and then the doctor or, or, or professor would facilitate conversations about what each person took away so that we would discuss individually as a class and learn from each other about what information uh, we learned, and basically the, the doctor or, 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 or professor would uh, mediate the conversation. And that learning was very important because now all of us had a perspective. All of us had a buy-in on learning more from each other. And so going out and getting a beer or having a conversation, you know, or playing billiards or whatever, those kind of things would happen with us, and we would carry from the class the discussion on into the evening. Um you know, in, in recent psychological history, there's a lot of research groups that stand out. And I'm talking about groups of people, just like philosophers, that, that are very big contributors in the scientific study of wisdom. And, and, uh, and there's the uh, Institute for Human Development in Berlin and uh, Yale University with Robert Sternberg and uh, Paul Baltus and his colleagues with Max Planck at the Institute for Human Development, um, they all basically have been looking for years 
at how to define wisdom, how to apply wisdom, and how to search for wisdom, and how people can gain more wisdom and the desire to be wise in this life. You know, uh, uh, Strindberg, his most recent definition stems from the balance theory of wisdom. According to his theory, people are wise to the extent that they use their intelligence to seek a common good. So they do so by balancing their own interests with those of other people, those of larger entities like family, community, country. So wise people can adapt to new environments. They can change their environments or select new environments to achieve an outcome that includes but goes beyond their personal self-interest. And that depends on how a person navigates their life as to how much influence they have. And I will tell you that controlling people should never be your goal if you're wise. What should be your goal is influencing other people. That is a big deal. If you are somebody who can influence, that is oftentimes somebody who has wisdom in certain areas that are so important to other people. You know, it is a positive predictor of how successful a person can be. It is a positive predictor about how much integrity that person needs to carry their wisdom forward. And if they are wise people but don't have integrity, God forbid, people will detest them and not listen to their wisdom and decline their greatest talent, which may be their wisdom. Sadly, some people face a life and don't operate in a life, though they're wise, that is smart, that is wise in a sense of common sense and what helps other people. In fact, wisdom is more robustly linked to the well-being of older people uh, than, than an objective life circumstances with such things as physical health or financial well-being or physical environment. Wisdom is the one thing that people value the most from our elders. You know, it's, it's a real strong uh, idea and it's a fascinating that a study of women through midlife found that those women who made major changes in the domains of love and work were higher in the development of wisdom by midlife. And interestingly, that they make life changes in the 30s that appear to have particularly positive effects on the development of wisdom. You know, if we experience, you know, women value wisdom, by the way. They value wisdom enormously, especially if it's a collective wisdom that helps people. That is a common characteristic trait of many women. And, and the, the sense of how much the wisdom can affect other people. You know, experiencing, experiencing a stressful life events also across time can facilitate the development of wisdom because you learn from your mistakes. If people don't fear failure, but look for the answers about how to respond, they become what's called resilient. And if you reflect back on the Bible, those folks that, that, that are mentioned in the Bible, many of those stories is about people's resiliency. And resiliency comes from wisdom because we learn from mistakes. We learn from mistakes. We learn from mistakes. We don't fear failure. We don't fear going out and collecting experiences. We learn from them and bring them forward and take leaps of faith, leaps of faith that help us uh, have more experiential learning and more wisdom in our life. People benefit from stressful life experiences, particularly if they respond well to them. You know, but but as the negative of ratio to positive life experiences tips in favor of the negative, 
wisdom becomes in, inhibited. And so some people begin to think they got some bad juju or something. And so they start to pull away from wisdom and start living a, uh, a reactive life. But however, some people, if they fall into a pocket of pain, sometimes we'll get closer to God. And, and, and that's what Jesus, when he was on earth, and I'm not trying to preach, I'm not going to keep going Bible, 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 but that's what Jesus was looking for, the poor, the weak, the needy, the unhealthy. You know, wisdom is distinct from intelligence by the measure of IQ tests. You know, uh, uh, if you look at Sternberg, he, he goes as far to suggest that in, intelligent, well-educated people are particularly susceptible to, uh, to fallacies that basically create uh, 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 inhibiting their smart choices and their actions. And, and we can look a little bit about this later on, but here's kind of what he says. The, the egocentrism fallacy, thinking that the world revolves or at least should revolve around you acting in ways that benefit yourself regardless of how this behavior affects other people. That is the a fallacy that wise people can fall into. Also, the omniscience um, fallacy, believing that you know all there is to know and therefore do not have to listen to others. So sad. The omnipotent fallacy, that's what wise people can fall into too, believing that your intelligence and education somehow make you the all-powerful. Ugh. And then there's this involuntarability fallacy, which believing that you can do whatever you want and that others will never be able to hurt you or expose you. And so that, unfortunately, is what wise people can fall into and destroy the idea that people would seek them for their wisdom. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about how to develop wisdom. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? 
The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about wisdom as the opposite of evil. So that means wisdom is what we want to have in life to be uh, as good as we possibly can be. We can't be good. That's too absolute. But what we can be is these flawed people that we are who seek wisdom. And the more that we seek wisdom and the more that we seek peace and balance and the more that we accept that other people have different perspectives and respect the fact that they have that, we don't have to agree with it. We can just validate it. It's there and learn from it because there's something to take away from everybody. There's something to take away from all people's ideas. You know, um, if you want to develop wisdom, there's a lot of things that can really help you. There's a psychologist named Jonathan Haidt, and Haidt, Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. And, and he put out a bunch of uh, activities, basically, that, that are very common sense oriented that people can do to begin to seek wisdom. Number one, he talks about reading the works of great thinkers and religious leaders like Gandhi, like Buddha, Jesus, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela. You know, read classic works of literature. You know, uh, uh, look, think about the wisdom of the ages. You know, all the literature that's out there that you've never read that may have a really deeply human in-touch story that can really benefit your life. You know, there's so much out there. You know, think of the wisest person you know in your life and try to live each day as that person would live. And, and look up to prominent people in history and learn from their views on important issues of their day and, and, and some of their timeless views. Um, um, volunteer. This is something that was interesting that when I was in elementary school, this, early on, we were across from a nursing home. And so the, the principal would have the teachers take kids over and we'd often perform songs or whatever but then afterwards we would have discussions with some of the folks that were living in the nursing home to learn from them and if you talk with those folks about their lives and the lessons that they've learned you can gain an enormous amount of insight also you know look at uh, editorial publications that are on the opposite ends let's say of a political spectrum here we are in the last uh, running of the president of the United States in 2020, which is a big deal. And a lot of people have different views and we're on opposite ends of that spectrum. But what would be a nice thing to do is try to get a legitimate, which is hard and harder and harder to find, a legitimate publication, maybe like the National Review for Conservatives, maybe the Nation for the Liberal. You know, read them both and consider both sides of the issues. But we have to remember by doing that, Sometimes you can take the fear out of what you're projecting in the future and make a clearer, more concise vote for yourself. Remember that wisdom, like all the character strengths we cover, um, exist on a continuum and can be developed with effort. But it does take effort. And I always say this. Anything hard makes your life easier. And the more you seek information and wisdom and helpful applied learning – things that you can apply to life, the more you invest time and become an expert in those areas, the better off you become as a person because now people can seek you out. But if you don't manage your integrity, people won't seek you out. It devalidates all of your work, 
all of the things that you do because people are so judgmental and, and they, 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 they oftentimes don't look below the surface. You know, uh, uh, um, some people define wisdom as expert knowledge about a practical life. Many people have tried to identify specific components associated with, you know, but they vary. And so they, they, they more often look at elements like interpersonal skills, level of knowledge, sensitivity, sociability uh, when relating to other people. Interpersonal skills allow a person to adapt to others' needs and have the most effective interaction possible. And that's called mirroring. You know, in therapy, uh, oftentimes if it's a couple, you, what you want to do is, is mirror the energy of the person who has the lower amount of energy. And by doing that, that person connects with you and the other person has more energy, hopefully knows how to come down to their partner's energy. And now we all communicate in a way that's harmonious and clear and hear each other. It's amazing what just that component will do. You know, communication skills and good judgment is important for wisdom. You know, wisdom, which people usually rate to experience, implies having knowledge, being able to give advice. You know, wise people can help people with their problems and come up with solutions that others can't see that they've already done. And they can help people in that way. Also, understanding. You know, wise people, these, these, are, these are skills that people that are wise, if they have this, they become very influential in life. People with understanding... You know, these wise folks can, can uh, cultivate emotion and life experiences, and they understand, and they empathize with each other. That doesn't mean sympathy. It means empathy. So sympathy would be like jumping off the cliff with someone and sitting down whining about it as you've landed. And then empathy is standing at the top of the cliff and saying, hey, I can throw you a rope uh, if, if you need the help. You know, so that doesn't mean you know, we're, we're jumping off the cliff, but it does mean we're offering a healthy alternative. You know, good competence is probably um, the thing that people most often associate with wisdom. The, you know, the wise are intelligent, they're cultured, they're highly knowledgeable in a lot of fields, and they know how to communicate that knowledge. But not all uh, wise people are able to communicate that way. And if you are wanting to be a wise person, you do need to learn how to communicate to facilitate your wisdom with others. You know, experts tend to highlight uh, some factors, and this is experts about wisdom, that the wise are intelligent, they're cultured, they're knowledgeable. And, uh, but, but uh, you know, the experts tend to look at components like exceptional comprehension to the skills and judgment and communication on a particular topic, or consequently, some people are very wise in spite of their limited knowledge in the world. And some people are just born with it. And it's amazing to see people like that. I mean, I remember growing up, my sister, who was pretty crazy back then, but she isn't now. She's straightened herself up. But she uh, didn't even have to open a book to get through school. She got straight A's. She just she didn't have to read anything. I don't know how she did it, but it was just inherent in her abilities. You know, wisdom goes way beyond cognitive skills. You know, there's uh, wisdom comes with astuteness, which means we stick to it. We're involved with others. We consider other people's perspectives. We don't feel like we're right all the time. We're always open to being wrong. It means that we're clever. 
We have intuition that we can read other people and read into other people to get a greater understanding. You know, uh, there's logic, there's experience, there's reason. That's knowing your limits as a person, knowing what other people are experts at that you're not. Having that that organized, logical mind with good problem-solving skills and learning from your mistakes. A wise person is a person who seeks information always outside of themselves, and then they use it, and they adapt to it, and they bring it into their own philosophy and their own discussions. But never forget to reference those folks. You know, uh, um, you know, someone that is sensitive and sociable, who has good judgment, communication skills, understanding of life, that's a person who learns from experience and sees things from different points of view. And that, my friends, is called healthy. You know, our vaccination with wisdom dates back thousands of years, as we talked about earlier. You know, a lot of people throughout history have, have thought about what it means to be wise. You know, Aristotle believed there were two types of wisdom. We talked about Aristotle earlier. And that was theoretical and practical. So theoretical would be hypothesis and trying to prove your uh, uh, hypothesis. And then the practical is your day-to-day knowledge and how to improve and evolve as a person. You know, the, 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 the theoretical involves the exploration of things we can't change, but which we seek truth. And so the other part, the, the practical, explores uh, that the parts that we can change through making good choices. Um, Descartes uh, also viewed wisdom as good judgment in everyday life and seeking knowledge in all things that a person is able to do. And then we go to Chinese, Confucius. You know, by three methods, we may learn wisdom. And this is what he said. First, by reflection, which is noble. Second is by imitation, which is the easiest. And third is by experience, which is the bitterest, because that's when failure happens. You know, the, the, if you agree with these folks or do you believe wisdom only comes with old age? You know, let's, we need to really break this down. A single definition of wisdom is, is a difficult to find in, if you look in psychology. Um, some people look at it as the integration of two forms of knowledge, like logos and mythos. And so logos comes from the former structures employing logic, and, and mythos comes from people's speech, their narrative, their plot, their dialogue. So it comes from stories, basically. You know, uh, uh, other people see wisdom as encompassing, you know, uh, more openness, more ability to wrestle with life's great questions. And, and be okay with being wrong. You know, uh, and there's all kinds of great stuff out there on wisdom. But, you know, most positive folks are exploring what it means to be wise. They're also curious about how it affects our well-being. You know, although a definition is difficult to, to, to find, agreement on what wisdom isn't uh, hasn't been much easier. They, they do agree, researchers, that wisdom isn't a result of aging. But, but it's also believed that higher IQ scores don't also always equal wisdom either. So, you know, uh, basically looking at uh, a lot of points of view, wisdom of a third grade dropout will, will change, could change your life. You know, look at Edison. He never he got kicked out of school. He was told that. But basically, he, the school told his mom uh, that he was too smart to be there, which is amazing. 
you know, but he never knew that until after she died and she saw the note that the teacher wrote. You know, what role does age play in attaining wisdom? There's a lot of old fools out there. And I can tell you because I'm old. (laughs) Hopefully not an old fool, but maybe could be in some areas. You know, can a child be wise? Well, yeah, yes, yes. There is no optimal age. But, you know, the idea is that by the time you're 60 years old, you've collected a good library of knowledge. Now, if you can just have the memory to, 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 to uh, get into it, that would be a good thing, too. Unfortunately, a lot of people lose their memory as they get older, and that wisdom tends to die. So relish it while you have it. If you have your faculties and you're a wise person and you have something to communicate and give back to others, do it while you can. Don't do it while you have been uh, uh, on vacation or just kind of messing around. Do it in a way that you want to, to really communicate that wisdom and affect people's lives and help them evolve. You know, wisdom comes from adapting to, to our current environments and, and here we are in this COVID-19 crap that all of us are living in, having to adapt to that. Maybe we'll have opportunities that we'll never see, like bringing our family closer, uh, maybe driving us to think in a different way, maybe being able to experience change that we've never been good at. You know, that may be a good thing. And that may be where wisdom comes. Also, shaping our environments and changing it to a new normal, to a new environment. That is what life's all about, is leaps of faith, not fear, nothing to do with fear. And the most beautiful thing about wise people is they may not have made the best choice or the wisest choice, but they believe in the idea that they've evolved enough to make a choice that is good for people and good for them. So you hedge your bets in life. You don't always get the outcomes that you want. You know, and, and if you look at Baltes and, and, and Studinger from 2000, they define wisdom as an expertise in the fundamental pragmatics of life. And they further go on that knowledge, judgment about the essence of the human condition and the ways and means of planning, managing, and understanding a good life is important. And, and they so they look at uh, basically the criteria that we talked about earlier, which was factual Uh, which is declarative knowledge, which asks, what does one know about human nature, interpersonal relations, and social norms? And then we have this thing called procedural knowledge, and that's what strategies does a person use to navigate the twists and turns of life? You know, how do we evolve through change? And then there's this lifespan, uh, uh, basically the context of our lifespan. Where does everything fit? How are things connected? How are various roles, education, family, all connected? And are they healthy for us? Do they find? Do we find we get good things from these? And can we make better choices that would help us better adapt to where we are today? So, you know, I often say that loyalty can be stupidity because people are loyal to gangs. People are loyal to certain people that don't offer a lot of intelligence. And as you get older, you need to snip away at the people that don't mirror your life or advance your life. You know, I've often said, and I've heard this before, I, I didn't make it up, but you know, if you're in a room where you're the smartest person, you need to go to another room where people are smarter than you. That's how we evolve. We don't sit and use our knowledge as power. What we do is we seek more knowledge. 
And by doing that, we have a better affect of helping other people, including our children, including our spouse, including our life. You know, the relativism of values and life priorities allows for the tolerance of differences and values between people. And we all have different values. And so it's important to to embrace that and understand that. You know, um, social decision-making is another aspect that is very important about wisdom, understanding other people's emotions and motivations and using information to make good social decisions. Also having emotional balance. And a lot of people make decisions when they're emotional. Well, folks, that's just not wise. You should never make especially a big lifetime choice when you're emotional. You need to do that in a way that is wise and well thought through and considers a a, a 360 degree perspective, um, including your own motives. You know, we have to have reflection. We have to have some understanding. We have to have some balance. We have to have some uh, ways to manage ourselves, manage our emotions. And we, we need to value relativism and tolerance and perspective taking behaviors so that we don't end up like these people in the streets and these, you know, crazy uh, uh, anarchist folks. I can't even remember what their name, Antifa and, and the communist Black Lives Matter and the social uh, uh, crazy end of the Democratic Party and the neurotic conservative uh, end of the, the the Republican Party, we need to go to the middle. What is wise? You know, what? who cares what party you have? What is wise? I wish lobbyists would be just thrown out of Washington so we could do wisdom instead of spending money on hypothetical theories and, and ideals of, of just a certain core of people. You know, if we had wisdom in politics, that would be the greatest thing in the world. And, and, and sadly, that's why a lot of people have gone to uh, a, a kingship or basically a prime minister, someone running their country, making a lot of decisions. The reason people go to that because they want wisdom. And politics doesn't produce wisdom these days because people are so polarized. And that's sad. It's sad. And it's, it's just, if we just sought wisdom, our world would be so much better. All right. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the positive psychology of wisdom. And we're also going to talk about character strengths and what to look for in people. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? 
you're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest... Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about wisdom, the opposite of evil. And once again, that uh, whole idea is that we balance our life on wisdom because we aren't good. We're, we're both good and bad. We're, we're not black and white. Uh, some people are more bad than good. Some people are more good than bad. It depends on uh, what, what institution, whether it's a corporation or a, a, a prison <laughs> you may land in. <laughs> so, but the bottom line is, you know, seeking wisdom makes your life better. It makes other people's life better. It is what people listen to. It is what people, and if you want to be somebody that's heard, if you want to be somebody whose life lives beyond you, apply your life to wisdom. But if you don't live a life of integrity, means making good choices f- for good and for helping people as a resource to, for other people, if we don't do that hard work to seek wisdom and don't manage our integrity, if we do that, we destroy all the work we do to get wisdom. You know, before we explore wisdom, we have to look at the science. And and this is interesting because we're basically looking at values. And Peterson and, and Seligman in 2004, they defined wisdom as knowledge that's hard, hard fought for and then used for good. And they call it a noble virtue or a trait. And I would say these are values. And I would say these values that I'm about to talk about are things that if you're a parent or you're a teacher or you're a person of influence, you would want to instill these values in the people that you influence in your life, as such as your children. You know, creativity is a huge strength of wisdom. Because that means that we seek other sources and we're not just looking to for uh, uh, common thought, but we're looking for original thought. Also, curiosity. Curiosity is a huge perspective and oftentimes it includes intuition. means that we suspect that there's something more here that we're really not understanding and we go deeper into that. You know, as a therapist, it's important to really hear your clients because oftentimes you're going to hit defense mechanisms where they're not going to really get to the core truth of something that they're struggling with because they're afraid of from their ego or they're afraid of how you'll react or they're just afraid of admitting that part of themselves. And, and, and if you go deeper into that, sometimes you're going to find that they feel let free 
uh, uh, to be able to let that go and begin to to be basically change and adapt to what they were afraid to admit about themselves. You know, judgment is a huge part of wisdom and having good judgment, meaning that we make decisions not just in a vacuum, not just for ourselves, but that are affecting other people. And and we also have to have a love of learning. And that means we're good listeners and, and, and seek learning, not just any learning, not just junk, not just pornography, but I'm talking about wisdom, seeking knowledge. You know, the person that is a listener is the most powerful person in a conversation because they are taking in knowledge. And if you have the patience to be a good listener and not sit there and talk over people, if you can do that, you can live a life that is extremely magnetic. I can have conversations in life with anyone, people I know, people I don't know, and I'm not afraid of doing that because I'm a seeker of wisdom. And if I see people doing wise things and I, 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 and I have the time, I'm going to want to learn about it. You know, also having perspective. You know, each of these strengths exists in every person to some degree. Uh, you know, for instance, having perspective. We're here in election season. Whatever happens, I've lived long enough to know that we'll get through it. Whatever it is, whoever gets elected, it will evolve. It's not going to be the end all be all. It's not going to even be always the wisest choices. But what it is going to be is it's going to be and we will evolve. We've gone through enormously good presidencies and enormously bad presidencies. What we really need is a real Congress when we don't have that. You know, each of our strengths exists in every person to some degree. They can also increase in prominence as you learn to use them. And so these strengths are a part of a larger list of, uh, of uh, about 24 virtues that Seligman wrote in a book called Flourish, A Visionary New Understanding of Happiness and Well-Being. And, and that's a good book to look to for wisdom. So after you discover your strengths, the, one that, the ones that you uh, use most often – which I would say would be your soul's work, that, that what God has got you on this earth to do, it's going to come from the, the, the strengths that you have. And so these represent strengths that you don't often uh, use, but some consider these as weaknesses, but this isn't necessarily true. These could be areas that you don't think much about or don't value. For example, are you an atheist? If so, then spiritually might be at your bottom of your list. If you use strengths in the middle as, as needed basis, for example, as a leader uh, and, and use your middle uh, list, what, what situations will call for some of that wisdom that you may have there? And so that's important. So it's always important to look at your wisdom and look at your strengths because that's where wisdom comes from, your strengths. In 2015, the VIA Institute... Uh, on character and now analyzed 655,000 results. 93 of the respondents have either fairness, curiosity, love, judgment, or kindness among their top five ranked character strengths. 87% of the respondents had either fairness, curiosity, love, judgment as their top. 77 have fairness, curiosity, love. 61 had fairness or curiosity. But all the tempered strengths like self-regulation, modesty, prudence, 
uh, Zest for Life, appear least often. So they're usually ranked at the bottom. And those come from a positive aspect of our character. And so what's interesting is if we're positive people, we also have to be good at self-regulation. We have to be good at prudence. We have to be good at modesty. You know, you might be curious, and most of you might be, uh, of your go-to strengths. And sometimes they change based on how you're adapting to your future. I know a lot of us may be rediscovering or discovering our strengths based on the fact that we don't go out that much anymore. And so you may develop a strength of cooking like I have. <laughs> so, you know, that's been a good thing. Not necessarily for my stomach, but good for good for the family. You know, like wisdom, uh, a definition of creativity is difficult to find, but, but researchers um, look at curiosity and creativity as a way to ferret out differences. You know, creativity is, is those works that transform people, especially groups. And it, 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 it's uh, something that's very transformative. It creates what's called an epiphany or a new learning or a new understanding. And creativity is important for wisdom because oftentimes you have to figure out a way to make wisdom get through to people. And many times people don't uh, – they may have the wisdom, but they don't have the creativity to make that wisdom impact people. You know, uh, um, as we – you know – explain or weigh our environment or we may not affect it creatively you know a lot of people come away at our environment and look at us as a dirty planet yes today we have tons of smoke in seattle um but you know the the idea is that our, some people look from a, a perspective that this is uh you know environmentalisms would say that you know our our environment's dying and other people say this is just what history has done. Throughout history, we've evolved in different ways. We've had fire seasons and not fire seasons, you know, but some people want to go to this global warming idea. And that's fine, too. But I would say that there's probably wisdom in both. Wisdom comes from both sides. So stop polarizing and stop black and white thinking and start being curious about each other's thoughts. And maybe we'll come to a healthy conclusion. Wouldn't that be a miracle? You know, highly creative people tend to allow ideas to marinate while they're working on other projects. And you'll notice that these people work on many problems simultaneously. And so, uh, you know, some people have the genetic uh, basis of creativity, which they were born with. Some people between have a relationship with creativity, but that hasn't been a focus. And some people depend on other people who have the human virtue of creativity. And so the idea is if you're not creative... Seek people that are so they can help you communicate your wisdom. Very important. You know, if you've wondered what's happening in your brain when you're curious, you know, it, it's, it's beautiful. You know, curiosity is, is taking interest in ongoing experience of, for its own sake. You know, finding topics and subjects fascinating, exploring, discovering. You know, there's extensive research, especially going back to like the 70s about curiosity. You know, the tools developed and used to assess this are often, oftentimes were self-report questionnaires, but they have a lot of adequate information that comes from, you know, this idea. And uh, some of the items are, are very important, you know, deprivation of sensitivity. If people don't have good sensitivity, they're not going to have the propensity to be wise. But if people have joyous exploration, they find the world to be a fascinating 
uh, uh, place. If they have social curiosity, they want to know what others are thinking and doing. If they have stress tolerance, accepting and using the anxiety associated with new experiences as exciting and an opportunity to learn. You know, thrill-seeking, risk-taking behavior that gives a whole complex, intense experiences may open doors for you as to how you value your life. You know, so there, there's a really interesting things about curiosity, which is part of wisdom, which is intense, positive emotions. They have a strong link to a joyous exploration. There's competency. There's autonomy. There's a belongingness that has a strong link to stress tolerance. You know, being kind, being generous, being modest has a strong link to social curiosity. And so, you know, people that go that direction often find themselves in a better place in life. But also judgment. Judgment's a big deal. You know, uh, uh, um, some people are dogmatic. You know, uh, some people are integrity. Uh, some people are argumentative. But, you know, the, these are good strengths. That's okay. But judgment needs to come from consultation, and exercising good judgment isn't easy, even when it's a person's strength. It requires a person to identify personal bias and work against it to assess the situation fairly and to be left self-centered and understand that the uh, impermanence of all decisions, that what may be the truth may just be today's truth and not the full truth. You know, we thought the world was flat thousands of years ago. Well, guess what? It's not. And so, you know, truth changed, but we may find it's curvy or maybe it's not as round as we thought. Who knows? But the, the idea is it may evolve. Knowledge may evolve. And that's an important thing is to understand that. But if we have a love of learning, that means that we're not seeking education to be taught by a professor or a doctor. We don't go to class to do that. We read the book. We, we seek the information and we let the doctor or, or teacher or, 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 or professor uh, teach us how to pass the test, but not necessarily teach us the topic. I've known many professors who teach classes that they know very little about, but they teach it because they have to make an income. And so it's kind of sad to, to know that you as a student know more than they do, but you also can empathize with the fact that I've just got to get through the class. I need to seek this knowledge to help other people. I'm going to do that for that reason, and then I'm going to learn how to pass the test from this professor. All right, that's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. You know, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can do that through our webpage on voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's absurd psychology. Now remember, no matter how smart you are, you can never convince someone stupid that they're stupid. And by the way, I believe that stupid should be a diagnosis, but there is no medication for it. Also remember that everything saved will be lost. There needs to be a test between what is smart and what is just an ass. <laughs> Also remember, the smarter you get, the less you speak. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 